You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Does it feel weird to be doing this twice in the space of seven days? Yes, because it was so long since uh, the last one to the last one. Exactly. Uh, Yes, it does feel a little weird, and it feels weird to be doing it here in L.A. again because we haven't done a remote Skype show in a long time. I am back in Los Angeles. James is in London. We do have some fun stories saved up for you, though. Uh, Coming up on today's show, we are this week recapping the Poker Stars Championship Cash Challenge. Yeah, by my calculations, episodes one to four have aired on UK TV now, which means there are four episodes available to watch at PokerStars.tv for everyone in the rest of the world. Four shows to get into and talk about featuring Charlie Carroll, and he's going to be our guest today. That is correct, and uh, we do have that hand to talk about, the hand that's making the rounds, the hand that we've been touting for months now, and um, if it weren't for that hand, Charlie probably would have been the most embarrassing thing uh, and awkward thing about these episodes, so (laughs) no one tell him that later on when he's on and I kiss his butt, Um, but yeah, Charlie would have been probably the story of these episodes had it not been for that hand, so I'm looking forward to talking to Charlie. Uh, Superfan versus Stapes, we've got obviously this week, it's Chad McVean from Niagara Falls, the Canadian side. He is challenging me to GPL Trivia which I was a major part of. So I list him at probably a two to one favorite. <laughs> I have to say a lot of people are very happy that we're back on a weekly basis. Hello to Jules Redding at Mule Beats Drums. He says, this sounds like damning with faint praise and I don't mean it to, but I had forgotten how much I love listening to poker in the ears. So much fun. We've been getting a lot of love uh, via Twitter and Facebook. People are really happy that this show is back. People on Facebook, I know you avoid Facebook, James, and for the most part, I can't blame you. For the most part, you're right to avoid it. People on Facebook are so supportive of the show that it's annoying. They're like, when's the show coming back? I want the show. And I'm like, leave me the fuck alone. It's nice to be missed, Joe. You'll miss it when it's not there anymore. Uh, I'm sure I will miss the paycheck. <laughs> uh, useless Pokemon says, I've had serious withdrawals from not having your podcast these last few months. Looking forward to getting into work tomorrow and listening to whatever you're making this week and every week. Uh, Steve Mark, this was a weird one. Thinking of getting the Hard Rock Cafe next to PS Live Macau to create a drink with tomato juice, Malibu punch, body hair and ice and calling it Stapes on the Rocks. What inspired this? I'm not really sure what inspired it, but it involved me and my name, so I'll, I will allow it. I'm sure you will. And <laughs> finally, Jack Jones says a huge thanks to members of the Poker in the Ears podcast for an awesome way to provide value to loyal viewers. The increased exclusivity of the free roll is ingenious. Thanks to you guys, this Uncle Daddy is a little bit better off because Jack Jones finished in the top four out of a field of... 48 players. Only 48 of you could be bothered to hunt down the free roll in the lobby on Sunday evening and register, but that did mean that the winner of that free roll got $200. I mean, that could be the start of a poker career right there. We've read those stories time and again. Oh, I played a free roll. I never deposited. It was off to the races from there, and I hope that that story is a a result of our free roll 
which most of you neglected to play. I guarantee whoever won the $200 first prize is not complaining about the small field. It was so funny because you texted me and you were like, the winner of this uh, of the free roll won 200 bucks, but Lex is mad at us. Yeah, now, obviously, <laughs> we, well, because Lex was the guest on last week's podcast, we called it the Veldhaus Funhouse, and the password was Lex Likes to Swear. So it was all themed around Lex. We didn't tell him we were doing that. People saw a free roll in the Stars Lobby themed around Lex, so started spamming him on his Twitch stream, <laughs> asking him for the password. And of course, Lex, I have no fucking clue, uh, which proves, by the way, that he didn't listen to the show that he was on. How is he supposed to know his co-host if he's not going to listen to their content? I don't think he cares about knowing his co-host. So actually, even though I apologize at the time, I retract that apology because it proves to me that Lex did not listen. And the good news is he'll probably never hear your retraction because he doesn't listen. Oh, don't worry. Uh, There'll be some bloody secret squirrels who make sure that that's fed back right. to him. And I'm sure I'll be taken out of context, misquoted, and there'll be some kind of Twitter war between us. I, James, I had this really funny thing that happened right before PCA, which you love these stories because it's a story of me getting my ego <laughs> smashed to bits. So... This year, if you guys remember my old roommate, Jesse, J-Cat, he's made a few appearances on the show. Every once in a while, pops up in an anecdote. This year, we got him hired at the PCA, and right before, right after the PCA, um, I went and spent a couple days at Jesse's house in between Fargo and London. I came to London, as you guys know, I was there for the last podcast, and while I was there... Um, Jesse got like a UPS delivery and I could hear the guy come up into the dro- into the garage and Jesse comes out and goes to, you know, accept the package from the guy and the guy goes, Hey, are you that, uh, are you that poker guy? And you know, cause Jesse's been working in poker for a long time and tries to get home games going in, in New Jersey and stuff. And Jesse's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you like poker. He's like, yeah, yeah. I love poker. Love watching poker on TV. And I hear Jesse now with me and Jesse have this plan. He's like, oh, this is the UPS guy coming. He's a big poker fan. It would be cool if you like came out and said hi. So I'm like standing by the door <laughs> waiting for this conversation to happen. And I hear Je- Jesse go, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I work on poker and stuff. He's like, do you like, do you like poker on TV? The guy's like, yeah, I love poker on TV. I watch poker on TV all the time. And Jesse's like, what do you watch? He's like, I watch the world poker tour and i love mike sexton and jesse's like yeah is there anyone else you love and he's like nah not really and jesse's like what about poker night in america do you ever watch that he's like nah that show sucks (laughs) (laughs) and so i'm standing by the door waiting to like pop out and be like ta-da but the guy can't stand me or doesn't know who i am he's like and my friend Jess and Jesse's like, oh, my friend does some poker comedy. He's like, is your friend Mike Sexton? And Jesse's like, no, not Mike Sexton. And he goes, uh, is your friend Vince Van Patten? No, he's not. Well, those are the only two guys I really like. <laughs> I'm a huge poker fan, but I only watch one show. <laughs> and so I'm just like standing by the door, like dejectedly. And Jesse comes back in, like just shaking his head. Um, and... I also really enjoy these stories where I'm like, hey, I'm going to make this guy's day. Me, big star, Joe Stapleton. Let me turn this guy's day around. He doesn't get either a doesn't give a fuck or doesn't have a clue who I am. You're right. I do love that type of anecdote. Once again, put in my place by the common man. Uh, Let's very quickly cover what's been going on 
in the world of No Limit Texas Hold'em. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Ears news. And we start on my side of the ocean, Joe, in the city of London. You were here over the weekend when the London Festival was taking place, uh, an event that we talked about on our recent live streams. You might remember that we actually gave away some London Festival packages during Prague. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that uh, the people who went had a good experience. Hopefully a few of them cashed. But the big story to come out of London was the winner of the main event. Um, if you follow our live streams, you might know this name, Caladuso. Uh, yes. I, at first I was like, why do I know that name? And then I was like, hold on a second. Pretty sure I gave that guy a trophy like a month ago. Correct. In Prague, <laughs> he won the PokerStars Championship main event. And of course, it was in Prague that the PokerStars Players Championship was announced and the whole idea of the Platinum Passes were announced. In fact, I'm pretty sure that Prague was the last main event not to award a Platinum Pass. But luckily for Kaladu So, the very next event that he played was the London Festival main, which he took down for £122,000 and a Platinum Pass. That means he has not been eliminated from the last two tournaments he's played. That is pretty ridiculous. I'm really happy for that guy because he was so likable and such a fun character from Prague. Uh, I'm excited to see him and to possibly once again... Uh, do some commentary on that fellow when uh, when the Players' Championship happens in just under a year's time. I always feel bad, by the way, when there is a major poker event in my home city and I go nowhere near it, especially as it was at the Hippodrome, a venue that I do hang out at from time to time and like going yeah. to. But I had other stuff on this weekend. It was my daughter's birthday weekend, but it would have been fun because uh, it's always a good vibe around the London Festival. I didn't really have an excuse not to go because I was in London and we did finish our work by Thursday uh, afternoon and so I could have shown up and so Thursday uh, evening I ended up having some plans cancelled and I did something really dumb and I, I went out to like a club in Leicester Square alone um, just to see if I could you know meet somebody. Did you and go and you stood on your own? Did you leave on yep. your own? Did you go home and you cry and did you want to die? What song is, is that a song I assume? How soon is now by the Smiths? Yeah, I, 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 I did all of those things, except for before I went home and wanted to die, um, I was at this, this club alone when eventually the one saving grace was that I got recognized. Oh, God. This Irish dude was like, Stapes, Stapes, what are you doing here? And I was like, um, definitely not here alone, like trying to find a drunk girl to make out with. Um, and so he was super excited, and he was like, do you know – do you know Patrick Clark? And I was like, of course I know Patrick Clark. Well, well, we're here with Patrick and you got to hang out. And you got to have a drink with us. And I very like, um, not believably was like, not believably was like, Oh sure. I guess so. Even though I was like, so desperately welcoming people to hang out with. Um, so I had one drink with those guys and apparently one of them was chip leader uh, in the London festival at that point. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, what are you doing here? Yeah. That's the question. Chip... What are you doing here? Right. If you're chip leader and they were like, ah, you know, don't worry about it, mate. And they like really wanted me to like come somewhere with them afterward. And I was like, mm -mm, no way. And the only way I could get away was to give one of their girlfriends, my phone number. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll come meet up with you guys here. And so 
now I'm a little worried that this like hopefully they're like too drunk to remember, but I accidentally gave my phone number to like a group of drunk Irish poker players, and I'm really hoping they forget about it because I don't need to be getting <laughs> drunken Irish poker texts at five o'clock in the morning. Well done, Joe. Uh, just a couple of other quick headlines. I think the, a couple of platinum passes have been awarded at the BSOP. If you want to read about that, head to the pokerstarsblog.com. Uh, another story those guys have covered. Dominic Nitscher is a player we know quite well, Joe. Dominic, regular sure. on the European circuit. Uh, four World Series of Poker bracelets, $11.4 million in live earnings, $4.2 million in PokerStars winnings to his credit. Until now, though, there has been one title that's eluded him, the Super Tuesday. Not anymore, because this week, Dominic Nitscher wow. took down the Super Tuesday on Stars for $58,000. So congratulations to him. Lovely guy, Dominic. And back in the day, I think when we first started doing multi-day coverage of EPT main events, Dominic was a regular guest commentator on the stream. Yeah, he, he was, for sure. I think he quickly realized that he was giving away too much information on the air and didn't necessarily want to be doing that anymore but man what those streams were good when he was on board um now that's what's going on in the pokestars blog on poker news things are maybe a little bit more quiet <laughs> can you believe poker news must have had the slowest news day ever when i saw a tweet from them that was featuring one of my photos from instagram um and again, it featured me in a photo of me. So, of course, I retweeted it. And, of course, I was on board with it. But I was like, seriously, is there nothing else going on in poker that you have to feature the fact that I had, a, like, a nice photo up? You see, I would agree that some of the content posted by professional poker players does lead to news or at least an overview of what's going on in social media. Sure. And occasionally, poker players will get into it. I know there was a bit of a spat recently between Vanessa Selbst and Dan Shack, and then Sam Greenwood getting into it with the Germans. But Joe Stapleton's Instagram feed, <laughs> I'm sorry, does not qualify. It's not news. It's not lifestyle. But uh, it's just ego massage. Yeah, next week there's going to be a, a headline like Joe Stapleton shunned by UPS driver. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, much more popular with FedEx. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the PokerStars Championship Cash Challenge. It's time for our TV recap. TV recap. So before we get Charlie Carroll on the line, Joe, before we actually go through the nuts and bolts, the meat and, meat and potatoes of episodes one yeah. to four, um, should we talk about the format of this particular show? Yes, we should. Um, I, I think that the format here, it's a similar to the big game yeah. format. It's um, you know smaller stakes than that. Nobody really plays those stakes anymore, especially on TV. Um, can I even... What, what, what were the stakes? T 10... 25.50? Was that what it was? That's it. 10 ante, 25.50 blinds. Um, the qualifier staked for 12,500 euros. And the same deal that was made on the big game. If the qualifier makes a profit, ending a 150-hand session with more than 12.5 grand, any profit they make, they get to keep. They get to take home. They have to play all 150 hands or until they bust, whereas everyone else at the table can come and go. And we did have, I think, a couple of uh, substitutions at various points on the two tables that we haven't seen yet. Um, but the lineup here, this is the first of two tables, by the way. So this first table is the first five episodes, and you've seen four of those so far. We've got Daniel Negreanu, Liv Barry, Faraz Jaka, Charlie Carroll, and Kevin Hart. And of course, in having Kevin Hart at the table, it kind of becomes the Kevin Hart show. 
Yeah, and in voicing these shows, let me first of all say what a huge fan I am of the format. These shows are super fun. I think Robbie Straczynski from Card Player Life uh, tweeted this week how much he was enjoying the shows. I really enjoy cash game shows. I think it's a blast. I think these shows were super fun to do. I felt a little bit – I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't say this, and I know I probably shouldn't all, even think it, but I felt um, almost like I was not earning my money by voicing these shows. There wasn't a lot for us to do. Uh, in, in these first four episodes, the first two in particular, it's just wall to wall banter and it's really funny and it's really good stuff. And look, I'm supposed to, uh, not hate, but I'm, I'm not really supposed to be a Kevin Hart fan. Like he's the, I, I am, I think I'm a funny guy, but Kevin comes in and he's super funny and he's super charming. And I just think these shows are great and I'm really going to miss this entire series, we started um, recording the, the second qualifiers, one of the shows uh, in London last week. And when this is done, I'm going to be really sad because these shows are super fun and the stakes are perfect because they mean something to the qualifier and they don't mean a whole lot to the rest of the guys at the table so they can have a little bit more fun with it and splash around. And it's just a great combination of semi-high stakes poker action but compelling stories. Mila, the qualifier, obviously was in a, you know, a horrific accident and makes her story a little bit more compelling. It makes you root a little bit more uh, hard for her. It's just all around. It's kind of the perfect storm of compelling poker. On I was going to say the one player at the table we hadn't mentioned to this point was Mila Monroe, who is the qualifier for the first five shows, playing these 150 hands, hoping to make money, which of course, did not go the way she wanted it to or the way she expected it to, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, the one thing I will say is, in dissecting some of the key moments and some of the key hands from episodes one to four, if you haven't seen these shows yet, there will be spoilers. Obviously, we can't discuss the programs without discussing the content of the programs. So if you haven't seen the shows, head to PokerStars TV, head to the PokerStars YouTube channel. If you're in the UK, head to channel4.com poker, watch them, and then come back to the conversation we are about to have. And we are going to have that conversation with our guest, one of the players in this exclusive cash game in Monte Carlo. Welcome back to Poker in the Ears, Mr. Charles Carroll. Hello, Charlie. Hey, Hayden. Charlie, I have to ask, are you okay being in the presence of your hero, Joe Stapleton? <laughs> I mean, it's one of the things that you think over time you start being you would start being desensitized to, but it, it really isn't. It, it's almost cumulative. Every <laughs> time it's just that bit more exciting. I think that this troll <laughs> somehow surpasses the Jonathan Jaffe dolphin trainer troll. I don't think it's a troll. I think Charlie is a genuine person, and I think he's genuine. <laughs> I mean, I, it's my favorite thing to say truthfully, but still that it comes across as the biggest troll ever. <laughs> it, it's, like, when you have a really good hand, and he's like, yeah, I've got the nuts. And they're just like, oh, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, uh, Charlie, first of all, the, the fact that they took uh, your soundbite and made a whole feature out of it, you can see my erection from space. I mean, it is just absolutely the Wait, best you, thing. You my soundbite. Yeah, well, they, you know, they took you at the table saying, like, Joe Stapleton made me, you know, is, is the only person I have, like, hero worship for. And they made, like, a whole feature out of it, too, really, um, if you think about it. And I have to tell you that, so... I went to Japan recently 
um, on like the dime of a movie budget. And I met like a big Hollywood star while I was there. And we sort of developed, we'll just call it like a friendship. And while we were talking, I sent her that clip. Oh my God. To show her that like, you're not the only one. Ew. This guy might be being serious right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I bet you edited it though. So you missed the first part of the conversation, which is when Mila says to Daniel, oh, I, I met Joe Stapleton. And he says he's your best friend. Um, yeah, yeah, we know each other. We're, we're, we're buddies. <laughs> I definitely left that part out. I'm sure you did. Um, now let's let's actually talk about Charlie for a second. Charlie, a, a few minutes ago we were doing our show. James referred to you as Charles Carroll, and I can't uh, picture you being called Charles. Is that actually your name? Yeah, no, that's my, that's that was my name up until I was about eleven. My goodness, yeah. I just you are a Charlie through and through. You just scratch off the the <laughs> ass off your uh, birth certificate. You're a Charlie I, in my I've book. I've always thought if I grow up, then I'm probably going to have to transfer back because Charlie always has such a baby connotation behind it. If I if I want to go to a meeting and like business meeting or something, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to resort back to boring. Yeah, there's no like vice president of business development, Charlie. There is not no. As well as in this week's show, you revealing that Joe Stapleton is your hero, we also crucially see you get unstuck, which makes it much easier for us to talk about the first three episodes, which is an absolute <laughs> disaster for your bankroll. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was It was really, it, it was almost like a humbling experience seeing me kind of get owned and then have joe rip into me as hard as he could <laughs> every single hand that i lost it, it, it was really nice because i think before now i've really run quite well in which tv hands i've appeared in like it's always made it's always shown me in quite a good light so it, it it's been nice to be on the other end of it and people being like oh yeah i'm, not, I'm like messing me on instagram facebook being like unlucky man yeah i mean like it's a t it's a tough lineup out there i mean it's, it's a sh it's a tough game we just off your game maybe i don't know <laughs> I mean, you said yeah. to Maria on the sideline that you felt you were playing some of the worst poker of your life. I mean, is that true, or do you just think it just what well, you just weren't running well? Um, I, I, I mean, it's always a mixture. But I, looking back, there are there are genuinely some hands. I'm just like, no, no, don't do it, don't do it, Pastorelli. I remember what you do, but that would be ridiculous. Nah, okay, it's happened. Yeah, I have to say <laughs> that I very rarely feel qualified to be like, wow, this person is playing bad. And there were a few spots where I genuinely was like, Charlie, what are you doing? <laughs> like, don't, <laughs> please don't do this. And yeah. luckily. It's you, and you have such a good attitude about it. And, and you know, James just mentioned a second ago. He said um, you're doing some damage to your bankroll. I genuinely worry about the players I like, and I go, "Can he afford this? Is this okay?" And you kept going into your bag for more and more five k chips or twenty five k chips, whatever they were. Was this a? I mean, obviously nobody likes to lose. Was this a bankroll concern at the time? No. <laughs> it wasn't good i, I, I was fine i'll be fine how just have interest i'm i am intrigued though how many buy-ins were you prepared to put on the table was there a limit was that would there have come a point had it not reversed this trend that you would have walked away from the table i uh, no the, the the game was too good i i had people i i think i only had like 150k in my bag or something 
which I mean, oh, <laughs> only. I only had 150k in my bag. No one should ever be saying those words. <laughs> like I thought 150k would essentially be infinite in that game, but after about. 10 hands. <laughs> I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> so I started texting people being like, just in case, can I go grab some money off you? Uh, so, uh, let, let's let's rewind to the very beginning then. When you initially saw the lineup, and crucially when you saw the seat draw, particularly with your position on Kevin Hart, on a scale of one to happy, how happy were you? <laughs> uh, gleeful would probably be uh, a, a <laughs> good word. Did that make it all the more painful then to be basically stuck two buy-ins within the first 20 hands? <laughs> um, I don't know. So like so, some context, some off the table context, I was speaking strategy, uh, a different kind of strat. The only type of strat I'd speak with uh, Daniel Negrani really um, about how we wanted to play whilst on TV. And we're talking about like the, the highest EV way to come across um like you, you obviously don't want to play tight because you don't want to have that image you don't you don't want people to think you're boring to play with you want to be as like lively and as chatty and as fun and as drunk in this case as you can be um so i i was very very prepared to lose you know just like six figures in in the game if it meant that i mean obviously i didn't i didn't want to lose six figures in the game and i, I would be playing somewhat of a good strategy, but I, I would always be tending to be on the aggressive side to make hero calls, to make ridiculous bluffs and things like that. Uh, because I, I think just in, in the long-term EV, if people see you like that and they see you having fun, plus it was just a, such a fun experience. Like you don't want to be the kind of person that doesn't pull the trigger on the third barrel against Kevin Hart on TV. Like that's just not fun. Right. Okay. So you're, you're saying that you, you were having fun. And so there's a little bit of like, quote unquote, entertainment costs and the money you're spending. But you'd also think that had you suffered a six figure loss, that somehow that would have bought you some sort of street cred or PR for the future, like some image that you could have made that up over time. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously I, I probably wouldn't be able to make six figures back, <laughs> but it say if I did lose 150 K the EV of the the way that I played wouldn't be negative 150k, so I, I wouldn't feel bad about it. It might right. be okay. 10k or something. You mentioned Kevin Hart, Charlie, and it's interesting because I find him hilarious. Joe, I know you're a fan, but he is a polarizing character at the poker table. We've seen this when he's been on feature tables on our live streams, and we've seen it with some of the reaction to these TV shows. He is very full-on. He is very loud. I mean, you lose you know, 25 grand and he's in your face with his Charlie's on tilt refrain. <laughs> I mean, what did you make of the Kevin Hart show? Because certainly, especially the first two episodes are all about Kevin. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. I, I think that there would definitely be some past version of me when I was maybe in like a, a, a worse mood in general, where I probably wouldn't have enjoyed that. Maybe when I was like 16, 17 kind of thing. But Poker is just such a fun experience for me. Like even losing, like to give, it, to give an example, the way that Ben Heath, my, the guy that I travel and play poker with, the way that he and I commiserate losing like a hundred K is that if we see the other person coming out too early for it to be a break, we'll just point laugh and say, it's like idiot. And that, that, that'll be our way of dealing with it and make, make jokes towards each other. And I, I, it, but for me, I just like really meshed with the way that Kevin handled winning and losing. It's, it's for me it's just like it, it takes away the seriousness of the game and it makes it such a more enjoyable experience i i completely <laughs> agree with that i i, I tend to not necessarily the poker p table but in general that 
like sometimes when something uncomfortable happens, rather than acting like something uncomfortable didn't happen, you act just draw so much more attention to the fact that it did happen and it makes it a little more palatable. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you're if you're in a, a like a quiet library or something and someone like overweight sits down and breaks a chair. It's so much better if someone like says, ha, oh, no, you, yeah, you did something there instead of everyone just like going silent and just ignoring it completely. Totally get you on that. There's two specific strategy questions I want to ask. One is about your strategy, but one is about someone else's strategy. That person is Daniel Negreanu, and it's the minimum bet of 50, which seemed to be driving <laughs> you insane. <laughs> I mean, so the the minimum bet of 50 thing is strategically terrible. In that game, it <laughs> seemed to be actually working. Like, okay, it... It, it looked like it was working against me, but it wasn't, I promise. Like, it, it just, the, the, a few hands came up where it looked like it had done its thing because Daniel happened to have the better of it um, or happened to have the better hand or had a hand that it looked like I might have see bet, but I actually decided I wasn't going to see bet. But it strategically, just because he was so unbalanced and he was always doing it when he had a piece, it meant that, I mean, not, not to get too much into the nitty-gritty, it means that whenever he checks... Uh, he, he's basically just got a ridiculously weak range and you can just exploit that really hard. Um, and when he does lead, he, he tended not to be nutted in a bunch of the flop spots and you can kind of work around his thought process and say, okay, so if he leads here, he's probably definitely, he, he's not nutted like way, way, way more often, which means there are going to be loads of spots that come up where you can just absolutely annihilate him, raise bet and then shove river kind of thing. I've actually said this before that Daniel plays a, and I've talked to him about this on the air that he plays what you would think is a, f a pretty exploitable style yet somehow manages to go unexploited most of the time. Uh, I would disagree with the last part of that sentence. If you've watched him play hundred K's and 25 K's. Okay. All right. I guess it's up. But, um, I, I, I think in general, his exploitative style is pretty genius when playing against people that don't know how to exploit it. Right. Um, but against people who do in the long run, it's just going to be a bit iffy. So they are. Okay. So people are finally starting to catch on to it. Maybe just in stuff that I haven't been paying attention to. And I find it also interesting that you decided to say, um, uh, without getting into the nitty gritty, cause Daniel actually plays kind of nitty in this series of shows <laughs> and it goes mostly unnoticed. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hadn't noticed personally. I mean, I definitely on this show, he hadn't, he, he was playing like a, uh, at least by the third episode, above fifty percent BIP, like Limp calling Sem six off from the small blinds. By uh, the end, he's the only one who's like he's like Limp, you know, or raising, and he's the only one who folds like yeah. pre-flop. Like not the only one. Mila does obviously, and Faraz does occasionally. But like Daniel, he's not like you or Kevin or Liv, who are like, you know what? I put money in this pot, so I'm just going to see what happens. He's <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm just going to fold. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably comes from just a, an actually experienced background of playing poker. Right. Well, he just he just doesn't need to light money on fire all the time. Yeah, exactly. The other strategy I wanted to talk about was your strategy, Charlie, in the first big hand that you played against Faraz, which was the cliffhanger between episodes <laughs> one and two, where you were definitely trying to get a read on Faraz by shouting bluff and value <laughs> bet and trying to get a reaction. Yeah. It didn't um, work. It didn't. That was work. awesome, though. I, I, by the way, buddy, I, if I could high five you right now, I would. I just <laughs> was such a big fan of what your whole vibe was for this entire series. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's definitely one that made me cringe watching back, just because I know when it goes wrong, so many people <laughs> are going to be like, "What is he thinks he knew? Oh no, he probably just guesses the other times and gets it right." Um, that 
it, I, I can't give away my whole thought process because there, there are a few things that I was looking for on him that are kind of like universal on tells on a lot of people. But I just some some little inside info of uh, the decision that I made. I finally found something uh, on him, uh, just like a, a reaction that he made that indicates extreme kind of nerves. And I'm, I'm not saying that Faraz was nervous, but he definitely in that moment when like it was just a big part, I guess. Um, he he had the nerves of someone who was bluffing, even though he had a value hand. So it was, I, I think, emotionally for him, it was a big moment. So there was actually some method to your madness there, because I thought you were just fucking around, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, definitely the the saying the bluff and the value bet thing was just trying to fuck around and get that reaction from him. Um, like I wasn't actually looking for anything when I was saying bluff and then looking for it, like looking at his face when I was saying each individual thing. But yeah, I, I, eventually I picked up on something and like when I called, I sometimes when I call, I, I might only be like 40% confident that I'm correct, but I have good pods. When I called that one, I was, I was genuinely like happy. I was like, I'm, I'm like 75 to 80. This is going to be correct. And it's going to look really clever. And when I saw his hand, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all were like, oh, no. <laughs> so over the course of episode two, things continue not to go your way. But as Joe mentioned, you're still having a blast. We have to move on to episode three because this is the show with the hand, which you weren't actually directly involved in, but obviously you were there at the time. Yeah. You witnessed it. What was going through your mind when those hands were shown and you realized what had just happened? <laughs> what was going through my mind was don't say any anything inappropriate don't say anything inappropriate this is like <laughs> any time not to say something not to make a joke it's probably now <laughs> i mean um, obviously you have to admire anyone who you know is trying to run a multi-street bluff which is going to cost them their entire stack who's prepared to bluff it all on the river um, also to bluff a player like Kevin who maybe is not the best target because would you say it's fair advice to not try and bluff the amateur yeah it, I, I think it showed and th this is like mildly hypocritical for me to say because of the way that I play but I think it shows some like lack of awareness of dynamic but the best thing is like she actually had the heart to do that yeah and that's incredible like I, I do not know many professionals that would be able to do that at all and crucially it should have worked, even though Kevin is not, uh, you know, a professional player. If he actually realised what he had, he would have folded that hand. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Dan Daniel says something along the, those lines as well. I, I actually, I don't think that's a super relevant point because, like, from Kevin's point, he thought he had King Jack, so like, it, it wouldn't have worked if he had King Jack. No, like hypothetically, if he had halfway through looked at his hands just before he called, that would have worked. But I, I wouldn't say that's like giving something we can give kudos for, for me for doing. Um, I, I think just being able to make the play itself is just something that is amazing. Like it's, it, it genuinely, it's every, every single time I think about it, it's like, holy shit, like such a big moment for her to three-bet jam a river against somebody like Kevin Hart. It's just, you, you never see that. You never see that in high rollers. And she, she found just like the hugest context that she could possibly do it in, and she did it. And, I mean, just like infinite hats off. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that the the whole thing was ill-conceived and it was a perfect storm of um, mistakes on both players' parts. But I agree that just having the gumption to do that is like, wow, I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done that in a smaller stakes game. 
Mm -hmm. uh, let alone what she did and and putting her entire, basically, you know, her entire free roll on the line for that is really something uh, to be admired. Whilst on TV as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, that, it's just, um, like, you know, how many of us just, like, give up on that bluff at some point? Oh, no, this is compounding mistake. I should probably not. So Something probably worth mentioning, I think, is that a lot of people that have spoken to me about it have said that they think that Kevin didn't actually misread his hand. He was trying to donate money to Mila. And I, I just want to say I'm, like, 99% sure that's not the case. I, I'm so sure he thought he had King Jack, like, in hand. I remember thinking he's hit that turn really hard and thinking he probably just has King Jack. Um, yeah, and watching it, it's it's I, look, he's I'm not taking away from his acting chops whatsoever because I do genuinely enjoy most of his movies. He's not that good of an actor. <laughs> There's just no way that he can sell that that was like that whole thing that he thought he had whatever. There's just no way. He definitely actually misread his hand. It was a running theme. He had previous. I think even the hand directly beforehand, he did exactly the same thing, misread his hand. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I, I think it would just be way too much of a convoluted plan for anyone to try and attempt on TV as well if you were trying to gift chips. And obviously, the dust settled. Mila's still in the game because Kevin decides to give her 15 grand and says, you can keep whatever you're left with. And then things turn around for you in the show that aired this week because you get involved in this huge hand against Faraz, which is effectively a flip, the biggest hand of the night. And in one hand, you go from being down to up, just like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes you play like shit and still get there. <laughs> <laughs> you run it twice and both runs go your way. I guess that's uh, that that's balance. That's variance. <laughs> he had so many outs. I, I I can't remember. I haven't watched it back yet, but I, I I seem to remember just being so so confused about which cards he needed that I by the end of the second run I was like I have no idea if I just won both of those. <laughs> Is that, is that all the chips coming this way? That seems fair. <laughs> Sorry. We've bro. all been there before where you're like just in too much of an adrenaline haze to realize what's happened. But luckily it did go your way. And I was super happy about that because I don't – I like a lot of people like to see the pain of people losing, especially the – I don't. And so for you to get unstuck and for you to um, – you know. Uh, I know you said your bankroll's fine. I care, Charlie. I cared. And so I was very happy, especially because it, it makes me feel better about all of the clowning on you that I've done if, it's, if you end up not losing that much money. <laughs> I, so I, I, I don't know if you'd already watched all of the episodes and then, then you just like commentated over. Would, would you have still ripped into me that much if I, if I then ended up losing 75K? 100% he would have done. Perfect. I Thanks. would have, but but the producers might have said, "Hey, just see, because I wouldn't have, I I don't, I just go as I go, like you know, minute by minute." But the producers would have been like, "Hey, so Charlie loses like half a mil in this game, so maybe you could <laughs> go." And but what ended up happening was them saying, "Oh, you ripping into Charlie right now is so great, considering he says such nice things about you in the next episode." And I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> Oh, amazing so obviously there is still one show to come no spoilers so we're not going to say how the game finished and uh what you walked away from the table with charlie everyone can see that show next week but before we let you go alas joe stapleton has prepared one of his classic games for you to play oh perfect i'm excited charlie carroll you are perhaps maybe most well known for being an ostentatious dresser i've taken my shots at you you know it we know it. And so I've come up with a game with you called Charlie Carroll, Bastion of Fashion, or as James calls it, Bastion of Fashion. 
<laughs> and it's basically a can't lose quiz where I'm going to quiz you on what is the appropriate attire to wear in various situations. Are you ready? Yeah. Question number one. You're meeting your girlfriend's conservative parents for the first time. Do you wear a cardigan and khakis, jeans, but with a sensible button up top, or the pants and vest of a circus clown with a very expensive top hat? I feel like the most key thing in a relationship is honesty and transparency, so I'm going to have to go with C, Joe. <laughs> C is correct. Pants and vest of a circus clown with a very expensive top hat. You are one for one, Charlie Carroll. Here we go. Question two. And by the way, he nailed the rationale. The rationale completely sound there. Question number two. You're going to a destination beach wedding. Do you wear linen pants, linen shirt, sandals, full-on tuxedo sandals, or the outside lining of a teddy bear and a pogo stick? <laughs> Just to give some context for this answer, I recently went to one of my friend's wedding where everyone was in tuxedos and dresses and I, I turned up, I asked for his permission obviously, and I turned up in harems and a trippy top. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was good. So I, I guess whichever is closest to that answer, what was, what was C again? It was the teddy bear lining. Ah, yes, the teddy bear. I, I, I guess C. <laughs> That is correct. The skin of a teddy bear and a pogo stick. Perfect. Uh, question number three. Uh, uh, Charlie, I'm sorry to inform you, but your great aunt Ida has passed away at the age of 93. To her funeral, do you wear a solemn gray or black suit, a gray or black pants with gray or black turtleneck, or a full-on welder's costume draped in an LGBTQ flag? <laughs> <laughs> are we are we now projecting that all of the things that I'm wearing are slowly turning into like a kink slash gay slash? <laughs> no, we're, we're not. We're not implying any of those things whatsoever. <laughs> it's just it's just eclecticism. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go with the gay builder. With the gay builder, right? <laughs> that is correct. You are nailing this, Charlie. Uh, we've got two more questions to go. Question number four. Uh, you're going to play in a pickup basketball game in Venice Beach, California. Sorry, sorry. What the hell is a pickup basketball game? I'm so glad you asked. Like uh, street basketball, street hoops. Uh, okay. Oh, so this is basically anyone can just join in. Exactly. Okay, thank you. Uh, an impr impromptu basketball game in Venice Beach, California. Do you wear a tank top and basketball shorts, no shirt with low-hanging jeans and Timberland boots, or... A pair of Nikes with an actual Revolutionary War uniform. <laughs> what? Oh, no, I, oh no, I can't even imagine the third one. Um, are, I, Sorry, I, I should have called I, it the War I, the War for American Independence uniform. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay. I follow, I follow. I... I really like to get thing. I like to get 100% in exams, and a little kid in me is just saying, just like screaming, just like say the, the say the ridiculous answer. But I, I, I do sports in tank tops, man. Wow, he's correct. That is the that is that is absolutely right. Tank oh top and basketball God. shorts is correct. <laughs> we don't want you to get your ass kicked in Venice Beach, California, Charlie. So well done. Last question here. The Academy Awards are coming up. You've been invited to the Vanity Fair after party. 
by the way, this is a hypothetical situation. I want to make it clear, Charlie, we don't have an invitation for you. Uh, no. I mean, look, Charlie could very well have an invitation. I don't know. He, he it, runs in some it, pretty it cool circles. Exist. Vanity Fair. Is that Vanity actually? Fair is a magazine, and they traditionally have, like, the most exclusive after party for the Academy Awards. So glad I'm not going to that ever. Uh, do you... <laughs> by do the way, you this, wear... is why, this is why we now have ridiculous quizzes like this tailored to your own personal quirks rather than questions about pop culture because otherwise we face questions like what's fantasy fair <laughs> and good good use of word tailored james for uh, for this question uh do you wear to the vanity fair academy awards after party do you wear a black tie and tuxedo don't want to stand out do you wear a baby blue tuxedo want to stand out just a little or do you wear lamb fleece boots, leather chaps, a tie-dyed t-shirt, a coonskin cap, Jordy LaForge's visor from Star Trek The Next Generation, and a Nintendo Power Glove? <laughs> There's nothing that pisses me off more than somebody that stands on the fence of wanting to stand out. <laughs> of someone that's gonna, that gets out and is like, you know what, today I'm going to really make an impression at the office. I'm going to wear a colorful tie. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the mood. If if I'm in a if I'm in a low key mood I'll go A but generally I'm in a I'm in a pretty happy hippie Star Wars visor mood so I'm gonna have to go see. That is absolutely correct. You do wear Lamfleys boots, leather chaps, a tie dye T shirt, a coonskin cap, Jory LaForge's visor from Star Trek: The Next Generation, and a Nintendo Power Glove. Charlie, you've gone five for five in this quiz. You crushed it, buddy. You crushed it on the Poker Stars Championship Cash Challenge. We love you. Thank you for being on the show. Cheers, guys. Poker in the ears. So our thanks to Charlie Carroll, who, of course, will be a part of the lineup for episode five, which is the last show following that particular lineup, that particular table. And then there are five more shows after that. And a reminder to anyone who hasn't seen it yet or is looking to watch it on TV, the Pokestars Championship Cash Challenge airs in the UK and Ireland on Wednesday nights on Channel 4. And the next day, the shows are then available at channel4.com slash poker. For everyone else in the world, pokerstars.tv or the Pokerstars YouTube channel. But I agree with Joe. They're really fun to watch. It's been a long time, Joe, since we've had a show which I feel really sells poker as what I think it is, which is a social game, something that's fun, that's a way of hanging out with people you know. It's about the conversation. It's about the banter. It's about the antics, not just about competing for huge sums of money or, you know, making that amazing soul read against your opponent. Of course, that's part of the game. Yeah. But for me, it's about the other stuff. I mean, Charlie is the perfect example of that in that he takes an absolute bath for a bunch of these episodes and you would never tell by his demeanor, by the amount of fun he's having. And I think that that is really the way we should be looking at poker. Yeah, there is money to be earned and money to be lost, but it, the reason why most of us started playing is because it's fucking fun. The last show we did like this, Shark Cage, people still ask, will there be a third season? And the honest answer to that question is, I don't know. I hope there will be. And equally, I hope we'll get to make some more shows like this, These this cash format, which, as Joe mentioned, is kind of very similar to the big game shows from 2010-2011. Anywho, before we speak to this week's superfan, let's go into the lobby and talk about the free roll that's coming up on Monday the 5th of February. As previously discussed, last week's $500 free roll attracted a whole 48 runners. 
I think we'll probably get a slightly bigger field. A lot of it will have to do with how many people listen to the podcast before Monday. Because that's the thing with a podcast, Joe, is people can listen to it at any time. And I'm sure there were lots of people who wanted to play, but they were too late. Yeah, there are, I think that the podcast is, uh, you know, is like any other thing that people consume nowadays digitally. Is Some people like to binge it. Some people like to let a bunch of episodes build up and listen to them all at once. Maybe they got a road trip. Maybe they have a commute. Um, unfortunately, this is a, this timeliness matters on this particular thing. I think once people start realizing uh, that a free roll is happening, then the numbers are going to start to slowly go up. Okay, so your next $500 free roll is on Monday the 5th of February. Assuming you're listening to this show before then, you can register for this game starting at 2.30pm Eastern Time. That's 7.30pm GMT. That's 8.30pm Central European Time. And once again, this tournament will only appear in the lobby 20 minutes before it starts. So don't bother trying to register until the minutes before it starts. Search for it in the lobby on Stars. The name is The Challenge Is On. In honor of the PokerStars Championship Cash Challenge, the name of the free roll, the challenge is on. Now, don't go bothering anybody for the password this week. Luckily, there's no one's name in it, so you can't go bother the challenge. But uh, Um, there is someone's name in it, actually, because the password is (laughs) Charlie's on tilt. Charlie's on tilt. So, and I need to be specific, because even though I thought I was specific last week, people were still hassling me about spelling and oh, uppercase, goodness. lowercase. Oh, goodness. The password is all one word, all lowercase, C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S-O-N-T-I-L-T. Charlie's on tilt, all one word, all lowercase, will get you into... The challenge is on. A $500 free roll taking place on Monday the 5th of February at those advertised times. Woo! Okay, let's give away some prizes. Superfan versus Stakes. This week on Poker in the Ears, we go to the great country of Canada and welcome Chad McVean from Niagara Falls. Welcome, Chad. Nice to be here. As I like to call it, the big waterfall from Superman 2. <laughs> How is Niagara Falls at this time of year? Uh, very cold. How <laughs> very, cold? Very, very cold. Give it to me in modern money in Celsius. Uh, I think it's minus eight today. Okay, that's that's pretty cold. Whatever. For Canada, that's nothing. What a, <laughs> what a wimp. You know... Uh, James, you know this, and a lot of the audience knows this, but people will talk about whether the Canadian side or the American side of Niagara Falls is better. It's the Canadian side by, like, a fucking mile. It is, it's like, you don't even bother looking at the American side. It's like a couple of drops of water. The Canadian side is where it's at. Very true. So what do you do, Chad, when you're not speaking to random poker commentators on the internet? I'm an accountant. Oh my God, Chad McVean is a Chad McBean counter? That's true. (laughs) So the the reason why Chad's on my radar, I've met Chad before, and Chad was, I believe, the sole spectator (laughs) for all of the GPL that I hosted. Chad, why? (laughs) Why why were you in attendance for the GPL? Well, I was there twice. I was there in the summertime when it was boiling hot, and I was there in the wintertime for the finals. Um, it just happened that I was in Vegas at the time, and it was something that really caught my eye. So I, you know, tried to get involved. Wow! Well, the entire 
the entire cube system was based around having live spectators. So basically it was designed for you specifically. Did you enjoy yourself? I did. Um, I actually got in the cube at one point as well. So that was pretty cool. But uh, no, it was a great time. Um, Alex put on a great show for us there. The temperature control could have been a little bit better. You see, when you chose this as your specialist subject, I naively assumed that you were watching it on screen, that you were watching it on the live stream. I didn't realize you were actually in attendance. Yeah, actually, I made the uh, the stream itself a few times. Uh, I think Joe accused me of stealing all the jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> oh well in that case i imagine you should do rather well although joe as you hosted the draft the playoffs and the final you should have a reasonable knowledge of what happened yeah as long as the first question for me is what did gpl stand for i'll get at least one point well the weird thing is some of the questions are quite simple and some of them are quite tough um should give a big shout out, by the way, to Mr. GPL himself, Eric Dennis, who at Joe's request very kindly volunteered to put together 20 questions. And I'm sure oh. we'll all agree that if anyone knows the GPL, it's Eric. Very true. Mr. Nostradamus, as we call him. Yeah, no, that was. I, were you the one that came up with that, Chad? Because that was a really good nickname, actually. Nostradamus, the guy, he just uh, he, he knew how to make predictions. Um, I will say this about the 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 GPL finals. So the first, you know, I, the GPL's finals, I think it was supposed to be like two days or something, maybe three. I can't remember. And the very first night I was in Vegas and I was like, you know what? This gig's going to be a piece of piss. Like no problem. I don't really need to prepare for this. I'm all good. I know what I'm doing. And I ended up like calling up an old flame in Vegas and we stayed up most of the night. Um, in Vegas, and then the next day, <laughs> the broadcast went something like 15 hours. <laughs> so by the end of it, I was completely out of my mind. I remembered nothing. And then the next day, the broadcast went another 15 hours. Like we broadcast from like <laughs> 11 a.m. to 4 a.m. And then the next day we did 11 a.m. to 4 a.m. again. So I, I genuinely, I do remember who won, but that's about it. Okay, well, I fancy your chances, Chad. As ever, you are playing for a satellite ticket and a PokerStars mini chipset. Uh, I mentioned that Eric very kindly put together 20 questions. We only have time to ask 10 of those questions, five per person. The usual Superfan versus Stapes rules apply. They're all multiple choice. If you can answer the question without the options, two points. If you need the choices, it becomes a one-point question. You can steal in certain circumstances. Chad, as our guest, as our Superfan, I will allow you to pick first questions one through 20 are available where would you like to go on the board it's always coming seven question number seven olivier busquet started his gpl career by not losing a heads-up match until week seven who was the first player to beat busquet heads up wow um multiple choice options are available yeah i'll, I'll have to take that okay your choices are mark andre ladusseur tom marchese Philippe Ramos or Wayne Zhang? This is a tough I one. Say Ramos. Things off. It was Ramos for a point. Congratulations, Chad. Joe, questions one through twenty, bar seven. You can pick one. Um, it is always coming eight. Number eight. 
You've got an easy one, and you should be able to get two points here. Which GPL commentator went on to make the November 9? Which GPL? Oh, Griffin Benger. Correct, for two points. Uh, just so you know, the other options were Laura Cornelius, Sam Grafton, or Jonathan Little. Uh, they didn't even bother <laughs> making you a multiple choice. They won't make the question that easy. Chad, where do you want to go next? Uh, let's go number four. Question number four. Which popular US golf and football sideline reporter performed those same duties during the GPL draft? I have an idea, but I'll take the options. Okay, was it Alex Flanagan, Susie Kolber, Lisa Salters, or Holly Saunders? Holly Saunders. It was indeed, for a point, tied game, but Joe? Oh, Holly Saunders, yes. <laughs> your question. Uh, let's go with question uh, numero deuce. Remember there are 20 questions, so you can go through 10 through 20 uh, as well. right, okay. Question number two, which GPL manager made his final pick by flipping a coin? I think I, I'm. I think I'm going to go with the choices, but just to spitball it out in the air, I think I want to say Chris Moneymaker. But go ahead and give me the choices. Okay. The the options are Anatoly Filatov, Moscow; Faraz Jaka, San Francisco; Chris Moneymaker, Las Vegas; Max Pescatori, Rome. Now I'm not sure if it was Faraz or Moneymaker. Should I go with my instinct, or should I go with the new? information i'm gonna go with faraz jaka correct for a point Woo. you have a 3-2 lead going into the third round uh which question would you like next chad uh we'll go number 20. number 20. which player clinched the gpl championship trophy for the montreal nationals defeating brian rast in the 11th and final game that was jason lavalet it was not. Joe, oh, you can steal. Shit. Uh, I'm going to go with... Oh. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, hold on. I'm picturing his face. It's the... He's a white boy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to rush you. Give me a name, please. Oh, um... Hold on. It's not Jonathan Roy. It's the... It's the kid who looks like Tim. Tim Turn. Give me that. You've run out of time. The answer was Pascal LeFrancois. Ah, Pascal LeFrancois. Why couldn't I come up with his name? Okay, Joe, it's your question. Question 19. Question number 19. Which player was unable to participate on the first day of play of the GPL finals due to an illness, forcing his team to play one player short? Man, Pascal LeFrancois missed his flight. Give me the options, please. Justin Bonomo, Jason Lavely, Bill Perkins, Igor Yaroshevsky. Otherwise known as Gary. Uh, what were the first two? Bonomo, Lavely. Justin Bonomo. Incorrect, it was Jason Lavely. Chad, your next question. 13. Question number 13. Which star poker player did Aaron Paul defeat while on set filming a new season of Hulu's The Path? <laughs> if I remember that correctly, was, he did not that, appear on camera in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I was going to say that was just the computer, right? 
Um, <laughs> I'll take the options. The options are Olivier Busquet, Faraz Jaka, Igor Kurganov, or Jonathan Jaffe. Jonathan Jaffe. It was for a point, and we have a tied game. Joe. Your, yes. I believe this is your penultimate question. Ooh, penultimate. This is, penultimate's my penultimate favorite word. Um, let's go with question 20. We've had that. Oh. That, that should be an automatic loss for me if I can't keep track of that. Uh, question <laughs> 9. Question number 9, which I know is your favorite number. Correct. Who were the first two players to play an official GPL Summer Series match inside the cube in Vegas? Um, what's the score right now? It's tied game. Um, I'm gonna... It was, uh, Aaron Paul and, uh... Oh, oh, oh God, what's his name? French guy. Uh... Aaron Paul and Fabrice Sillier. Correct for two points. And heading into the final round, Joe leads five points to three. So, Chad, you need to get this question right, and you need to get two points. And you need Joe to score no points on his final question for it to go to sudden death. Sorry, I don't have a jingle for that. Uh, so which question would you like, Chad? Uh, let's go 17. 17. Which player finished atop the top scorers list during the GPL regular season? That was... Well, yeah, I don't... I can't go for the option, so I'll just have to throw a guess out there. I'm gonna say... Daniel Kitts. Sorry, who was that? Jungle Man. It was not Jungle Man, it was Nananoko Randy Lou. So uh... what you need to happen now, Chad, you need Joe to get his question wrong, and you need to steal without taking the options. So, Joe, what question would you like? Uh, question 11. Question number 11. It's about you. Joe, uh -oh. <laughs> Joe subbed in and played a Summer Series exhibition match against Marc-Andre Ladouceur after which London Royal was unable to make it to the GPL Arena? I'm going to say the London Royal that was unable to make it to the GPL Arena was Jake Cody. Incorrect, which means you could potentially steal, Chad. If I remember correctly, it's the recently, quote-unquote, retired Vanessa Seltz. It is, so you steal two points. We do go to sudden death. So, I'm going to ask one question each. First person to get a question wrong Can loses. Can I ask a question to Chad really quick? Uh, was Jay Cody even on the London Royals? Um, Nobody I, knows. It's fine. I don't think he I was. Think, Wasn't he drafted by Moneymaker? Yeah, I think so. I, th I think I didn't even guess a London Royal. Fantastic. Great. Go on. Sudden death. Okay, so Chad, pick a question, please. Ten. Question number ten. Which GPL star joined Joe and Eric in the booth for the first ever GPL Summer Series match. You can go for two or you can go for one. It's one of two people I'm thinking. Um, I'll go for, I'll, uh, 
I'll take the option. Okay, is it Liv Barry, Maria Ho, Kitty Quo, or Selena Lin? Okay, none of those were the ones I was thinking of. I'm gonna go with uh, Liv Barry. It was Liv Barry for a point. Joe, give me a question, please. I would have remembered that that was Liv because she's the one who kept saying Febreze instead of Febreze. Yet somehow I got in trouble for it. Um, let's go with question number 17. We've had to 17 already. 16. 16. Which GPL team clinched the final playoff spot on the very last day of the season? The Berlin Bears. Incorrect, and that means the game is over. That was the sudden death round. Chad, wow, it looked like you were down and out, but you did win the game eventually, meaning that you win that chipset and that satellite ticket. Congratulations for crushing Joe at GPL Trivia. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't know if I would call losing in southern death crushing, James, but whatever. I appreciate your ability to add some flourish to almost anything. I'm trying to make our guest feel special, Joe. Help me out here. <laughs> Well, what's special is that I didn't I didn't actually have to throw the game for him. <laughs> he just beat <laughs> fair and square. Uh, Chad, thank you very much for coming on the show and enjoy your prizes. Thank you very much. All right, my babies, that is just about all the time we got for this week's show. Next week is the entertainment dump. <laughs> all of the stuff that we way have. to sell the show here we are about to ask you to subscribe to review to rate poker <laughs> in the ears and joe describes next week's episode as a dump it's not like it's like a but we have a lot to get through like i was ill for like what amounts to like a month and a half i watched all kinds of movies all kinds of tv shows it's oscar season a poker movie came out right before Christmas called Molly's Game. And that is the big connection between movies and TV shows and next week's show. Molly's Game will be the primary focus, but we will also be talking about some of the other TV shows and movies that have been around recently that Joe's seen, that I've seen, plus our thoughts on The Last Jedi with spoilers. That's right. We managed to avoid spoilers while the movie was out. I think it's more than enough time at this point to have a warning spoiler full show. Uh, and also, James... Uh, we haven't discussed this yet, but I think it might be worth talking about next week. The American Poker Awards are back. They've got some new categories. I think it's worth talking about uh, what those categories are and who we think might be nominated. Do you remember last year, Joe, there was a lot of debate about what should fall into the category of the American Poker Awards versus the European Poker Awards? Yes. And then the latter never fucking happened. So why do they not just have the poker awards make it global and have people from all countries compete in those categories because if you're not going <laughs> to bother having european awards why have american awards james have you ever heard of america or any of the things that we do here in america we don't give a fuck about europe okay how about this then just one <laughs> simple concession in the same way that the oscars blow smoke up Hollywood's ass, yes. but then have the, oh, and here's an award for you foreign people. Films in the foreign language. You get one award. Can we please do that? Maybe have an international award. Well, we will discuss all of that next week on the show. For now, we got to get out of here. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs> <laughs>